Welcome to the Royal Green Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Green Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 443. I'm back from a three-night cruise on Royal Green's Independence of the Seas, and I've got a full review up next. Somewhat recently, Royal Caribbean changed the ships that were doing the three and four night cruises out of Port Canaveral. I've done a lot of three and four night cruises out of Port Canaveral on Mariner of the Seas, but Royal Caribbean has swapped that out. And now Independence of the Seas is doing these three and four night sailings. I absolutely love them because, of course, we live in the Orlando area. So it's about an hour's drive. And ever since Perfect Day at Coco Key opened up, I've really been drawn to these weekend cruises because it's just an easy way to take the family, spend the weekend in the Bahamas, and come on back and you know really make it back with good time. It's it's definitely the spoiled life. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But seeing that this was President's Day weekend, my kids had off of school on Monday, so we wouldn't have to worry about rushing back. I figured we'd give it a try and go out there, and I'm always down for any reason, any excuse I can come up with to go on a cruise. Now, we had originally booked this cruise, and it was a connecting promenade view rooms. Um, I think at the time, either balcony rooms were not available or they were just super expensive. Either way, we said, no, we'll just do connecting promenade rooms. I've never done promenade rooms in quite a long time, but we said, oh, we'll give it, we'll do that. And then fast forward about a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago at the most, my travel agent discovered that there were actually for only $50 more per, per room, we could upgrade to the connecting balcony rooms. And that would allow us to have, well, our, you know, a balcony and outdoor space and all that a slightly larger room as well. And for 50 bucks a room, I thought it was well worth it. This, by the way, is not through Royal Up or anything like that. This is through uh, just your travel agent, right? Looking at what's available and, and rebooking there. And generally speaking, even if you're well past final payment date, you can, you, if you want to give Royal Caribbean more money, they usually look the other way in terms of not, you know, giving you any trouble with trying to upgrade your room. So we did that. And this three night cruise, uh, we going to Perfect Day, Coco Key, and Nassau, so no sea days involved. And we uh, had booked for this cruise. We had I had the drink package, and we bought the unlimited dining package uh, for this sailing as well. So uh, you know, pretty standard stuff. You know, just kind of relaxing, quick weekend cruise. And the uh, what ended up happening is the kids actually didn't go to school on Friday before. There was school on Friday, but not on Monday. And I think it was just because we got we front loaded all the work in that week. We talked to the teachers, got their test done ahead of time, so they weren't going to miss any major work while they were gone. And so we were able to that way leave on our own. Um, something that was different about this cruise was a couple weeks before the cruise, we also got an email from Royal Caribbean saying, hey, you know, whatever times you got for boarding, push that back an hour. And I wasn't sure how to handle this, quite frankly, because, you know, we this is the first time I've run into this particular scenario. And basically what they're saying is if you got like my time was 1130 a.m. through the app to show up at 1230 p.m. instead and that, you know, scales back. And the reason why was for uh, for sanitizing the ship extra time to clean it. So we, you know, did what we were told and we got there a little earlier. I was trying to like, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. I remember this goes back years ago with, uh, we were a navigator of the seas out of Galveston and we were in Galveston and there was a fog delay. So the ship wasn't able to get in there. And then Royal Caribbean sent an email update around like, I don't know, 11, 11 AM or so saying, Hey, we're going to, the ship's coming in late, but we're going to do embarkation. Please don't show up until this time. Okay. So we didn't show up till that time. And first of all, there was a huge crowd already that was there. And we were like the last people to get on board the ship because we actually followed the rules there. But here with COVID, I understand that. So I'm like, all right, let's just, you know, shave a couple minutes off the end of it. We'll see what happens. And, you know, we got there. The terminal was open. They were letting people in. And I was not terribly surprised. I, I, I always questioned, you know, how much they were going to do this. It was kind of a 
exercise in you know seeing how this policy works. But essentially, they were holding everybody in the terminal. So you'd go through security, you do the check-in, all that, and then they weren't letting people actually board. You actually go to those the seating inside the terminal that pre-COVID you'd almost always be sitting at before they boarded the ship. But luckily for us, because we came in pretty close to that one-hour mark, we by the time we finished our check-in and you know like got everything done. Uh, they started boarding and that was, so it was like perfect time and we didn't actually have to sit down on the terminal and wait. So uh, we went right on board and, you know, I've not been on independence of the seas since 2017. We went there on a Thanksgiving cruise and back then it was right before her amplification. As you may or may not remember, uh, independence of the seas was the first Royal Caribbean cruise ship in 2018 to be rail amplified. And so, and I remember booking in and going on and people were like, well, should, don't you want to wait until, you know, the amplification? Of course, the answer is yes, but I wanted to go on the cruise anyway, because we got to go on some cruise. And anyway, so it's been a while since we've been on Independence, but, you know, having been on Freedom of the Seas with her amplification, you know, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, really Independence looks, her amplification looks more like Mariner of the Seas' amplification, but there's some really nice changes. I think by far Playmakers is the venue that stands out to me as the home run they did this also on Freedom, where there, there used to be the photo gallery area. Basically, the space between Boleros and the casino is now um, uh, now Playmakers. It's a massive space. You know, the only problem with Playmakers, and this is true on, on pretty much every ship, except for maybe Odyssey, but uh, it, it, just, it tends to be a very slow experience. They seem to either be under understaffed or the kitchen is slow or either a combination of the two. Who knows? But, I mean, I love the food. I love the drinks in there. It's a great vibe. It's just, uh, inevitably, it just seems like it's not as fast as it probably should be. But, you know, once you get the food, I, I really like it a lot. Some things definitely do vary. That's one inconsistency I've noticed among the playmakers is that, you know, on some ships or even some sailings, you know, the nachos come out one way and then they come out a different way in the other one. It's kind of weird. I'm not sure. I can't explain why that is. But, you know, it's, it's definitely a your mileage may vary kind of place. But if you're just going for, like, drinks and watching a game, it's a great spot for that. Uh, also, another change on this show, and, you know, we're starting to get into the independent stuff, but we should probably also mention this was uh, my first sailing with going back to the pre-Omicron uh, rules with, with as it relates to face masks and whatnot. Um, if you recall, in last week's episode, I was on Brilliance of the Seas. We still had the Omicron protocols in place, and now they've rolled that back. So essentially, it's the old rules. If you remember what the old rules were between you know, July and mid-December 2021, where essentially if you're fully vaccinated, you you can go to these vaccinated zones don't have to wear your mask at all. So you can, uh, in the casino, uh, playmakers, the pub, right? These are vaccinated areas. So you can just walk in to those areas, take off your mask. Uh, in the other indoor public areas, people, you're supposed to wear your mask indoors. I got to admit, there were a lot of people who just weren't wearing their mask. It wasn't even like they had it around their chin. I mean, they weren't wearing a mask at all. And I, I, it was a little frustrating because it's the rules. Like you don't like the rules. You don't have to cruise, but it's the rules. And it's just, it, it kind of bothered me, especially when you're going into, um, you know, elevators, things like that. And they just walk in, Hey, how's it going? You know, it's just like, it's not my place to enforce the rules. It's real Caribbean. And I honestly place the blame with, with the crew for not enforcing those rules better again, flagrantly. I'm not, and we're not talking about people's with mass below their nose kind of thing, but the rules are the rules in my opinion. And I just, I'm a stickler for that, but uh, most people were following. I don't want to make this seem like it was, you know, I was the only person wearing a mask on the ship, but I think it may be, perhaps it might also be a little bit confusing for some folks. If you're going from one area to another, I can understand that there've been a couple of times where I walked out of an area. I'm like, Oh, we're back in a public venue. Put your mask back on kind of situation. Right. And it's just, it is one of the things ultimately it really doesn't matter anymore because if you're listening to this episode, the week it comes out, uh, we already know that beginning of February 25th, 
Royal Caribbean will no longer require a mask indoors. It'll be optional if you're fully vaccinated. So this will be a moot point by next week. So, you know, it is what it is. But uh, my, my point is, is that, um, you know, the the mask rules going back, certainly it was very much a a uh, more relaxed atmosphere in terms of the protocols on board and, you know, reminding me more of what it was like, again, pre-Omicron. So that was kind of a nice thing to do there. And, uh, you know, it was... It, it worked out. So if there, I don't know, there are questions about people you could smoke again in the casino, and otherwise there wasn't any real. I don't think any anything worth mentioning beyond that. Just that the rules did change compared to my cruise, uh, even last week. Uh, other than that, the room was fine. Room was great. We were on deck six. I gotta say, I don't love being on a. Low, I'd prefer to be on a deck closer to the Windjammer. I you know I don't really care, but if I have a choice, and this was like the last connecting room, that's why we were able to get it, and it was on deck six which made it convenient to the promenade, but it just seems like it's always more convenient to be for us, the way our family cruises to be closer to like decks 11 and 12, because especially on a freedom class ship, there's way more going on up there between adventure ocean, the wind Jamer, especially restaurants. It just worked out better. And that being said, there were a couple times, which was really nice having a room on deck six, because you could just easily go walk down, especially on the last morning we were able to just walk off the ship and, you know, just, uh, uh, kind of do our own thing and uh, not have to worry about the elevators. That was really nice. That's that's a huge one right there. Also, when you're coming back from a shore excursion, you're you know only going up to six. I mean, you could theoretically walk it right if you so wanted to, but uh, there you go. So uh, perfect day, Coco Key. We had fantastic weather at Perfect Day. I mean, really, really good weather at Perfect Day. It was um, um, it was it was great weather. So we docked there. We were the first ship to dock. Harmony came in after us, and we had the water park admission for this one. And the water park admission was fun. The kids like it. I mean, we honestly, I sat mostly, I went to the wave pool a little bit, but we just kind of hung out and, and relaxed. I think the next time we go to Coco Key, it's going to be a while before we do the water park games. We've just done it so many times that uh, as spoiled as I am, you know, I, I like more relaxing at Coco Key. And I think we uh, we might try the Oasis Lagoon Cabanas next. And that might be a good option for us because we like spending more time at the pool than at the beach. Uh, but the, actually, we ended up going to Harbor Beach, which is that cove inlet, if you will, that is when you're walking onto the island from the pier, you'll see it. It's right next to Captain Jack's. And we just went there to mix it up, something different. There's no waves at Harbor Beach. If you have young children who are not swimmers at all or not very good swimmers, this is a great place for them because they're not going to get knocked out by anything uh, in terms of you know waves or whatnot or undertow. So it was great. My kids were just, they found hermit crabs in these rocks area, so they were just going to town playing there. But we had a nice time. It was, it was a really relaxing day at Perfect Day. I, I, you know, the weather couldn't have been better. It was warm, but not hot. It wasn't humid. There was a gentle breeze. It really felt comfortable to be outside. And I, you know, in these months of January and February, and even back in December, when you have this comfortable weather in the Caribbean, it's the best time of year to do outdoor activities. If you're going to do a shore excursion anywhere, take advantage of it while it's comfortable. Because when you get to the other months of the year, which is pretty much the rest of the year, it gets much warmer, much more humid. So you start sweating more. And for me, I'm not comfortable when that happens. But here, I'm much more, uh, you know, open to, you know, spending more time outside and just enjoying that. So that was nice and, and being able to uh, to do that. Um, in terms of dining, we did uh, we did Playmakers, which I talked a little bit about. I like their menu. Uh, the the thing with Playmakers, again, it's a little inconsistent. And the sir, I don't care about that. It's the slow service that always gets me. So, you know, your mileage may vary. You never know. But, you know, something to keep in mind. Uh, we also went to Izumi Hibachi on the first night. Love Izumi Hibachi. We had a really good chef. He had some original material there. That I could honestly, I, I hesitate to say I could eat there every day of the cruise, but I could eat there most days of the cruise. It is that darn good. And then the last night of the cruise, we went to Chop's Grill. 
Again, they were clearly the kitchen was overwhelmed there. They were running a little slow, but we had a nice meal and the food was good. And, you know, it's Chops Grill. The thing I always tell people about Chops Grill, it's Chops Grill. And I say that because it's just, it's so consistent. It's so the same over the years that it's just, it's, it's just, it's its own standard, if you will. Um, so that was, that was nice. By the way, in Nassau, if you're wondering, we did not get off the ship. We had weird hours. We were there at 7 a.m. and then we left at 3. I had thought about maybe getting off the ship and, you know, going into town to get a beer or something like that. But, you know, when you dock at seven and you leave at three, that leaves you very, very little time to actually do that. So by the time we got out there and, you know, had lunch and it just wasn't enough time to do so. But uh, the weather ended up clearing up a little bit. And that was nice. You know, one of the other nice things about these bohemian itineraries, by the way, after doing those that four-nighter in Brilliance, we had a lot of motion in the ocean on our way back from Costa Maya to Tampa. The nice about these, flur- these bohemian ones, the three-night cruises, is that because the water between Florida and the Bahamas is pretty shallow, you generally don't get a lot of the motion that you do once you get into the open ocean, right? Um, if you look at a map of the ocean depths, you'll kind of see the Bahamas is usually very light colored because it's a very shallow, relatively speaking, shallower area. And again, this is not to say that it's a guarantee, but it was it, generally speaking, we have much better weather conditions or sea conditions, I should say, when you're in the Bahamas because you, it, the shallower waters are not conducive for the bigger waves or something like that. I'm not, again, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I don't even know an oceanographer, meteorologist. I'm not sure who covers this stuff, but it's just, in my experiences, it just seems like it's a little more, uh, you know, comfortable out there. So we had a nice time. I, I think the, the cruise is fun. I, it's just for me, the nice thing when I go to three night cruises, I look at them as an opportunity to have a little escape, a weekend escape in the same way that if you're at home, no matter where you live, maybe you spend, you know, you say, Hey, let's go to a hotel for a couple of nights and somewhere you can drive to. That's like an hour or two from your house, right? Whether that's a city nearby or the countryside, you know, you have these kind of things, not a vacation in the sense that, I mean, it is a vacation, but it's not like a, Hey, this is our big vacation of the year. This is just a weekend getaway. And oftentimes I tell people all the time, you know, should I book a three night cruise, three night cruises and four night cruises, I believe should really be saved for once you've cruised a couple times. Like if you're a brand new cruiser, or you've only done one or two, I don't think three and four nighters are great for you because they're over so quickly. It's not the let's do it all kind of cruise. Uh, the, I think really the seven nighters are really the sweet spot for that. But once you've got a couple under your belt, then I think the three nighters are great to augment your cruising experience, right? Find a good airfare deal have an extra day off of work and you live in the area, these can be really good. So basically we had a great time on Independence of the Seas. It was a really fun cruise. And I think the ability to go to the perfect day is really what it's all about when you book one of these three night cruises. And uh, it'll be a uh, mere 12 more days till I get back on board a cruise ship. And that'll be Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas. We'll actually be doing two weeks in a row on the Wonder. We'll have a full recap of all that here on the podcast, but looking forward to that. And uh, a lot after doing like, four days between brilliance and independence and now 12 days between independence and wonder, you know, it's, I think someone did the math. Uh, maybe my wife did <laughs> in the span of a month. I'll spend more time on a cruise ship than, you know, on it's like 20 some odd days on a cruise ship and like, uh, you know, 18 days something like that on land. So I can get used to this. It's not bad at all. Time to answer the listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you've sent in. If you want to send me your email, you can do so by sending to matt at royalcreamblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. Our first email is from Rachel. We just booked a cruise for this May and opted to pay gratuities at the time of booking. Just went online and booked the deluxe beverage package and had to pay gratuities on that as well. Overall, 
it's over $300 in gratuities. Can you explain how gratuities work or what they cover? I assume that when people pay their gratuities at the time of booking, it covers gratuities for all drinks on board, beverage package or not. So I guess my question is, why are we having to pay double the gratuities? Rachel, thank you for the email. So your assumption is incorrect. The gratuities you pay when you uh, prepay your gratuities covers the dining room staff and your stateroom attendant. So it does not cover the drink service at all. So the drink package, which has what they call a service charge, when you go to buy it, you'll see, you'll see the, the cost of the drink package and the cost of the service charge, which is the gratuities, that covers the, the gratuities for your bar staff. So you're not paying double gratuities. You're not like overlapping each other. They're separate from each other. And if you didn't buy a, a drink package, Rachel, then if you purchase drinks, say, hey, can I just get a, you know, a, a Budweiser? Uh, they you would still see a charge for gratuities on there. The nice thing about the drink package is it it has a flat fee cost for gratuities and the cost of the drinks as well. So hopefully that answers your question there. Our next email is coming to us from uh, Emil. Hey, Matt, it was great meeting you in person on the November group cruise. Me, Jessica, and Julian had a great time. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. I wanted to share a tip on a newer location to stay for Bayonne cruisers, especially those with kids and those driving from out of state, given the fact that neither Newark Airport nor Bayonne offer any really great options. Uh, finally, the American Dream Complex is opened up in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is next to MetLife Stadium, where the New York Jets and Giants play in football. Um, East Rutherford, which is part of what's called the Meadowlands, is approximately a 20-minute drive from the port, 20 minutes to Newark Liberty Airport, and nine miles to Manhattan. American Dream has an indoor Nickelodeon amusement park, Legoland, indoor water park, indoor ski slope, ice rink, and they just completed one of the largest Ferris wheels on the East Coast. Too many attractions to list. While there are no hotels directly on property, every brand hotel is within one to three miles. These hotels typically cater to the NFL home games, which results in tremendous deals during the week and, and off NFL season on the weekends. I thought I would just share this location option. Mail, thank you for the email. Thank you for the suggestion. This is a great idea. I know people always struggle with where to stay. You know, my thought has always been if you're going to do stuff, like you're going to fly in a day ahead of time and you want to go do stuff, you know, more than just sit in your hotel room, I would always recommend staying in Manhattan and then, you know, um, take a taxi over to the port the next day. And if you're going to stay in New Jersey, because you're going to be staying like in the Newark area or what have you, that you would, you know, just, you're mostly just coming in there for like, you know, flight, your flight lands at like six, or seven o'clock. You're just sleeping basically. Right. But this might be a good alternative, especially folks who just want to do something a little different. I mean, first of all, the amusement park, Legoland, water park, ski slope. I mean, for a lot of families, that might be a good uh, idea right there. So thank you for the suggestion. I appreciate it. It was very much a pleasure meeting uh, you, Jessica and Julian on board the Harmony of the Seas group cruise. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I love group cruises. They're, they're just, uh, it, it, each one, you know, brings its own je ne sais quoi, but it's like inside, you know, jokes and stories. Love it. Uh, Michelle sends an email to us says, uh, I'm with your wife regarding the umbrella strollers. My wife was 25 pounds and not walking at 12 months old. The idea of carrying him or wearing him for an entire cruise would, not, would have killed my back. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, you know, the stroller thing, I my wife and I used to have this fight all the time. I am sure that she is right on this, Michelle. It's just like, to me, it was always that, it wasn't that the stroller didn't have value to it, but the opportunities to use it uh, outweigh, were outweighed by the times it just got in the way of everything, but especially when flying and variety of other things. Anyway, my point is that, obviously, in your scenario, that's a whole different ball game, right, compared to maybe some other things that are out there. But yeah, to stroller or not to stroller. It's uh, every parent goes through this and it's just it's nice to have it when you need it. But the rest of the time, it's real pain that it's there. <laughs> Next email is from Elizabeth Day. Hi, Matt. I'm a follower of your blog and a loyal Royal Caribbean celebrity cruiser. We did a nine night sailing on the Allure of the Seas on December 30th and it was fantastic. 
Our friends and family in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada, were very concerned, however, we, that we were confident. Uh, however, we were confident, having been fully vaccinated and boosted with a third shot, that we would be fine. Now, out of my question. My husband and I are sailing on Odyssey this week, April 3rd, and upon disembarking the ship on April 9th, we board Celebrity Apex. Do you have any information how you can get the share on the process terminal transfer in the situation? We've done back-to-backs before, but not doing a Royal Caribbean ship to a celebrity ship. Well, uh, to go, if you're going the same day, I think you are. Because I'm, if there's no gap, I mean, you're basically going to take a taxi. Um, you could ask for a transfer. I have heard of situations in which people have gotten... Royal Caribbean to pick up the bill and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll drive you over there kind of scenario. It's not unheard of. I would probably talk to the loyalty ambassador on board and or guest services. See if you can. I mean, you should be prepared for just worst case leaving Odyssey, hopping in a cab and saying, yes, I'm going right down the terminal down there. It's like, you know, they're going to see me a joke, but I mean, that's what you're going to do uh, to get yourself over there. That'd be the thing. But you could ask for that, certainly as an option. Uh, you're also going to want to talk on Odyssey of the Seas about getting a uh, a COVID test for you on Odyssey so that way you can have it for Celebrity Apex. Guest services should be able to coordinate that for you as well. But have I, I've heard of people, I don't believe there's a formal policy on this, Elizabeth, but I've heard of people being able to get, you know, a shuttle service, somebody to drive them over there. I don't know who it is exactly, or they just put you in a cab, but it's not unheard of. So good luck with that. Let us know in, uh, send me an email afterwards. Let me know how that works out. Uh, next email is from uh, Tommy. Love the podcast. We're on our first roller coaster cruise in March on Symphony. We purchased the, the ultimate dining plan, but had a question about the plan and the main dining room. I was looking through the menus on the app, and there were entrees that were up charges in the main dining room. There seemed to be items from Hooked and Chops that were there every night. My question is, we wanted to enjoy the main dining room, say, a formal night, but still wanted to utilize our dining plan. Will those extra items be included in our plan? Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work. Tommy, thanks for the email. Unfortunately, not. The uh, the upcharge items in the main dining room that you see, usually it's, it's lobster and steak. Those are not part of the dining package. It needs to be, in order for the ultimate dining package to be included, you need to be at a restaurant that's included with the package. So that would not work for you. I'm sorry to tell you that. And our last email this week comes to us from Leonard. What happens? What happens to unused onboard credit after your cruise? I know if it's I know it's not refundable. Where does it go? My travel agent gave me $75 onboard credit for my last cruise. I used it all, but what if I left $25? Does Royal Caribbean keep it? Does it get refunded to the travel agent? Or does Chip keep it for crew parties? Uh, so if it's if it's not refundable and you don't use it, it just disappears. I mean, basically Royal Caribbean is giving you free money, right? Um, if it was refundable. Uh, onboard credit, you could get you obviously take that money out, but truly, if you leave the money back, it's just basically it's it's a credit. It's like you know, it's like a it's like if you get a coupon for a free sub at Subway. Um, you know, if you don't use it, it's not like you know Subway. <laughs> they say, hey, this guy, we have like ten free coupons. Nobody use this month. Here you go, free. It's just it, it, it's it's immaterial. It's it's a promotion that they provide, and if you take advantage of it, then it comes out of Royal Caribbean's cut. But in this scenario, they're just not losing any, you know, in your scenario, 25 extra dollars on there. The exception, of course, is a refundable cruise fare. Usually, I'm sorry, refundable onboard credit. Usually when refundable onboard credit is applied, uh, not always the case, but a lot of times it is someone is fronting that money, like a travel agent. That's not unheard of. And in fact, a lot of times travel agents will say, you know, oh, you know, letter, thank you for being a great client of mine. Here's $25. And that could usually come out of their 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 bottom line. Sometimes maybe they have some extra credits that they've got for Royal Caribbean. Who knows what the case may be? But um, I'm not aware that you know, like the crew gets it or it's just, it's immaterial. It's just it's a concept. It's it's just this idea. It's not actually tangible. It's not like they're holding back 
you know, $25 in the back over there. And at the end of the cruise, they get to use it. I hope that makes sense. But it's a good question. One other tip when it comes to the, to non-refundable onboard credit, there is a way to get that money as cash. I don't think this is, it's not wrong. I mean, it's this, I call it a loophole, I guess, but it's been here for so long. There's no doubt in my mind, Real Company knows about it. So I don't know why, but you can go to the casino and front that money. So basically what you would do, let's say you spent, uh, we're gonna make this as simple as possible. You have your, you have your onboard account. There's no charges on there. Just you'll have nine minus $75, right? Onboard credit, non-refundable. If you were to go to the casino and ask for, to charge $75 to your account, you could, they would give you that money. And then basically you'd come out with a zero balance, right? Um, the casino, for some reason, it's okay to do that. Like if you go to get service, like, can I have the $75? And it's like, no, but if you go to the casino, that's okay. And I got one more tip to even save the, some money. Cause if you go to the casino, there's a processing fee unless you get the money from the slot machines. Slot machines, you can go through the menu where you put your CPAS card in and there's a way that you can get money from your account. Well, if you, unlike if you go, if you go to the teller at the casino, they're gonna charge you 5% as their fee. If you go to a table at the casino, they're gonna charge you 5% as a fee to, to charge money to your room. If you do it at the slot machine, there's no charge. So what I'm trying to tell everybody here is you could take your $75 onboard credit, go to the casino, go to the slot machine, put your card in, charge it to your room, $75, and you'd get that money back as cash. You could do it that way. That's, uh, like I said, I think it's been around so long that I don't, they must know this is obviously a thing and, uh, you know, enjoy that extra money if you'd like to. For me, I never have any problem spending onboard credit. Like, boy, if I, people always ask me, what happens if you don't spend onboard credit? It's like, it's so, it's, so, it's so unlikely. There's so many places to spend money on a cruise ship. If anything, I'm always trying to hold back. Like, oh no, maybe I don't need that. You know, whether it's in the gift shop or the spa or a shore excursion or drinks, Wi-Fi. I, I've just never had any issues spending my money on onboard credit, but you know, I can understand some people to cruise differently than I do. So hopefully that answers your question. That's a very, really long answer for a very short uh, question, but uh, thank you, Leonard, for that email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you'd like to send me your email to read, I can ramble on about onboard credit afterwards. You can always do so by sending your emails to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.